Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Now to Trey Betty, brought to you by Asher Wrecker Service. 501-562-2293. Family owned and operated since 1980. Asher Wrecker, dependable towing and vehicle recovery service. Ask for Asher. Good afternoon, Trey. Hey, guys. Man, I was looking at hogsports.com, and my eyes focused on two different Trey Biddy articles. Mm. The first one, game day depth chart. That was number one. Number two was the rating of each opponent for the 2022 Arkansas Razorback schedule. So where would you like to start? Where Randy Rainwater wants to start. (laughs) (laughs) Well, both of those topics are are highly, um, I I mean, I'm I'm interested in both of them. So I'm just going to give you the option. Well, first I think we got to mention Taylor Lewis committed to Arkansas. That's big news, right? Defensive tackle out of College of the Canyons. Yeah, great. He's class of 2022, so he'll um, he'll be available in this class. So um, I I don't think he finishes – Junior college until the fourth, so uh, I don't I don't guess he'll be able to enroll. Um, I think classes started today, uh, summer school classes. So, uh, but he, I would expect them to to, to still um, arrive and, and start working out with the team and everything. So that's a position of need, and that gets them to 85 total scholarship players uh, for 2022. So uh, Taylor Lewis is committed to Arkansas over it's several several options. Um, Auburn. Was, was probably one in Nebraska, uh, was a couple of them. Um, now, let's talk about the schedule, Randy. How about that? Okay. Oh so what I did was I didn't just rank them, you know, based on where they're ranked in the way too early polls and stuff. You know, there's a combination of things. There's, um, you know, how they match up with the opponent, where they fall on the schedule, um, you know, both in, you know, time and, and maybe who they're playing before. You know, how things shaped up last year, stuff like that. So um, I've got a, you know, a pretty lengthy explanation on each one of them. Number 12, I have Missouri State. And obviously there's a lot of intrigue with Bobby Petrino coming to town. Um, first time, I guess, since the spring of 2012 um, when he was fired at Arkansas. So I've got that at 12. A lot of intrigue there, but still there's a lot more to, a lot harder opponents than, than, uh, than the FCS program. I've got Liberty at 11. Now, Liberty obviously has to replace Malik Willis at quarterback, but they've been pretty solid under Hugh Freeze. It's a, you know, fairly tough non-conference game. Uh, I've got Missouri at number 10 at Missouri. Um, and, uh, you know, with them, I just think that, you know, they had a really good recruiting class last year, but I don't know. I don't necessarily see a whole lot of momentum with Missouri in 2022. Uh, Connor Bazelak transferred out. You know, they've got some, some stuff to figure out with um, – with quarterback was going to be Brady Cook, Tyler Macon, maybe Sam, Sam Horn, maybe by the time Arkansas faces them. He's a freshman. Um, number nine, I have South Carolina. That's Arkansas' second game. The thing that's kind of difficult about that one is Arkansas opens with Cincinnati and South Carolina opens with Georgia State. So Arkansas is going to have to, you know, put a lot of focus into that Cincinnati game, whereas South Carolina could probably afford to, uh, you know, not necessarily look past, but maybe not put all their 
focus on on one opponent, you know, two weeks out when fall camp starts. You know, they they can put a little focus on on Arkansas and you know also get an idea because Arkansas, you know, I wouldn't expect them to like pull punches against Cincinnati or, or try to you know hide a bunch of stuff. So uh, they might get a better idea of what Arkansas is about versus the other way around with South Carolina playing uh, Georgia State. So I've got that game at nine. Uh, eight is Cincinnati. That may be n- not high enough. I don't know. Um, Cincinnati's got a lot to re- to replace. They had nine players go in the NFL draft. The number four overall pick, Ahmad Gardner, um, at cornerback, and the other cornerback, uh, Kobe Bryant, won the Jim Thorpe Award last year. Uh, so they got to replace both those guys. They got to replace Desmond Riddler, Riddler at quarterback. Um, but you know. Cincinnati wins a lot of games. Luke Fickle's 50 and 14 his last four seasons there. 50 and 14, six and three against Power Five opponents, and that's you know the losses are Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. So um, Cincinnati's been a strong program. They're not Power Five, but obviously they were in the college football playoff last year and got a very good program. It's going to be a difficult game. I think Arkansas will pull it out, but um, you know that's not an easy opener. Um, LSU, I've got number seven in Fayetteville. Uh, I've got this a little bit, like normally I'm looking at LSU and like all the the news in the offseason they have with the transfer portal, players leaving and stuff, and, you know, they got to figure out quarterback situation, just a a lot of stuff going on at LSU in the offseason. But this game's later in the year, and the fact that it's later in the year makes me think that maybe that gives them more time to, to figure things out to get some cohesion, and I think, you know, Brian Kelly, obviously a lot of people made fun of Brian Kelly for his dancing and all that kind of stuff, and maybe he's not this great cultural fit uh, at LSU. I think we all kind of feel that way, but Grand Valley State, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, I mean, 263-96 and as a head coach, and that didn't include 22 vacated wins that he had in 2012 and 2013 at Notre Dame. So uh, an impressive record, and I, I think the longer he's at LSU, the more he'll have time to get them get them together and, and get things figured out. That game is in Fayetteville, though, but I've got that at number seven. Number six, I actually have BYU, not necessarily because I think they're the toughest or the sixth toughest opponent that Arkansas is going to face. I just I don't love where that falls on Arkansas' schedule. It's right after, you know, Mississippi State and – Texas A&M and Alabama, that stretch of games, it's right before a bye week. You know, you're going to – that's the seventh straight week playing football. It's against a team you've never played in a state you've never played in at Provo, Utah. Um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of things to kind of be like, mm, I don't know about where that falls on the schedule. However, they do have to play Notre Dame the week before in Las Vegas, so uh, they've got a tough opponent right before Arkansas also. Number five, I have Auburn, and – that might be an interesting one, too, just because, you know, you look at Auburn and all the offseason turmoil they've had and, you know, look like Brian Harson's going to get fired and all that stuff. They've got some questions at quarterback, not impressed with T.J. Finley. They've also got Zach Calzada. Um, you know, so how are things going to work out at quarterback with them? But, it's again, it's, you know, kind of where it falls on the schedule. It's at Auburn. Auburn's been a tough place for Arkansas to play. So I've got them five. Um you know, even though I, I think you get in this group of teams, you can kind of move things around. Number four, I have Ole Miss on November 19th. Matt Corral's not there. They've got Jackson Dart. They brought in Zach Evans at running back uh, to replace Jerry on Ely. Um, they brought in a big-time wide receiver also from USC. And well, they, ha- they signed 14 transfers. So 
they pick up Ole Miss later on in the schedule also. So since Ole Miss is a little later on, again, kind of the same theory, I think it probably gives them a little time to pull everything together and, you know, find some cohesion and, um, and things like that. And obviously this game is in Fayetteville also. Um, but uh, Lane Kiffin has some, some good momentum going over there, so I, th- I think that's going to be a, a, a nice battle uh, in Fayetteville. So i got them number four. Number three, I have Mississippi State, and that may be a game that maybe some people don't believe in or you know believe should be that high, but you know, I look at last year, and Arkansas you know, played UAPB, then they had a bye week, then they got Mississippi State and Fayetteville. Um, it was a huge game, a, a great environment, uh, a lot of reason to think Arkansas – would just kind of really roll over them, uh, and it was 31-28. Will Rogers played a great game. Will Rogers is back. Uh, this guy passed for 4,700 yards last season, 505 of 683 passing, 73.9%, 4,739 yards, 36 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So, <laughs> that, I mean, he, he's, a, he's an impressive quarterback, and <clears throat> Arkansas has to go to Starkville uh, for that game. And, you know, also you look at – you know, who are you playing before? Texas A&M, Alabama, then Mississippi State. So, again, kind of a situation where it falls in the schedule, where it's out. you got to go to Starkville. Um, you know, and this, is, this has been a close game the last couple of years, and Arkansas has gotten them twice in a row. Number two, I have Texas A&M in Arlington. Uh, obvious for, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, Texas A&M's got a lot of talent. Um, it is going to be interesting to see what happens at quarterback. They had Haynes King, who Arkansas didn't see. He was a big-time recruit, uh, but got hurt. And then they went to Zach Calzada, who's since transferred out. Um, they brought in Max Johnson from LSU. He's transferred into the program. Then they have five-star recruit Connor Wigman. Um, you know, so he could maybe factor into it too. But I think this one's pretty obvious. Texas A&M's got a lot of talent. They've recruited at an extremely high level. They've got the number one recruiting class in the country coming in, and. You know, there's a lot of five stars, and you kind of expect some of those five stars to, to play early. So that'll be a battle. Um, it was a great game last year. I think Arkansas might have might have beaten them a little more if K.J. Jefferson had been healthy last year, uh, but they also did not have their starting quarterback. So um, I think we can all guess who's number one. It's October 1st, Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh, yeah. In Fayetteville. Yeah. Because you think there's a chance this right. year. That's why you put it number one, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting to think about, but before Nick Saban got there, this series was tied at eight and eight. You know that? Really? Eight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you're count you're counting forfeits as Arkansas. Counting wins. forfeits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About to get to that. Yeah. I remember so, I remember forty three to three at Fed at Tuscaloosa that uh yeah. is now credited as an Arkansas win. Yeah, I, right. I don't know about that. You can't you can't use illegal players, ineligible players. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> you they know, should they, have been uh, out there. Okay, so that, if they'd have taken was, those uh, guys out it would have been thirty three to three. Okay. So okay. I think it was just the one that was forfeited to Arkansas. Um that game you were talking about. And then I think ever since then, all the ones where Alabama's been caught cheating, which has happened several times, uh, those have just been vacated. So yeah, that's, that's pretty stupid, too. Yeah. So, but anyway, 2007, they, you know, they lost 41-38. Um, they lost 24-20 in 2010, lost 14-13 in 2014. Uh, and then last year, 42-35 uh, in Tuscaloosa. But the other 11 wins were all pretty convincing during that stretch that Saban has been there um, in favor of Alabama. But, I mean, Alabama's got a lot coming back. Will Anderson, Bryce Young, I mean, Nick Saban's 70 years old and still getting it done. So um, that'll be a great environment. Uh, 
possibly the best environment ever, just depending on what happens leading up to that game. And, uh, yeah, it should be pretty exciting. And I, w- I wouldn't say I'd pick Arkansas to win the game, but I wouldn't count them out this year. So, really, what you're saying is, in some regards, Trey, you wait in at the time that Arkansas is playing in an opponent mm-hmm. as mu- almost as much as anything because you, you mentioned – well, you got open it with Cincinnati, but then right behind that, you got South Carolina, and um, but then you got Missouri State, no big deal. Well, okay, we think it's no big deal, and then Texas A&M, uh, which we know how big that is. But then right behind that, you get Alabama, which you didn't have mm-hmm. to mention that with Alabama, because Alabama's Alabama. But you got BYU, you mentioned coming right after Mississippi State, and. Uh, you get the open date, and you got Auburn. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it because I, I, I agree. I think you want to play. Um, in this case, you love to play LSU really early because they're trying to figure out who they are. Yep. Uh, under their new coach and a new and you catch them really late this year. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Ole they Miss, do have to play you know, Alabama though the week before. So that's always that's always a good thing. You got to yeah. play Alabama the week before. Yeah, it used to be LSU that Arkansas would catch uh, the week before uh, Arkansas played LSU. Um, that leads us to your other uh, article, game Arkansas Game 1 Projected Depth Chart. Now, I know you have been over these names. In fact, uh, I was gone the day that you went all the way to the water boy <laughs> at number 195 on the roster. But uh, I guess you can say, Trey, was there any alterations or surprises that – because I thought I looked at it fairly <clears throat> pardon me, fairly carefully. Uh, as an example, you started with the quarterback, and you've got <coughs> Cade Fortin or Cade Renfro. Mm-hmm. And I think we all know that if Renfro can get healthy, I think you'd be that solid number three. But then you also talked about how effective – Caden Fortin was uh, going through spring ball. So uh, maybe he gained the upper hand, uh, even with the injury to uh, Caden Renfro. Well, I know they like Fortin. I know they liked Renfro, too, before he was hurt. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that anybody that I would circle, you know, anybody for sure on that number three guy uh, right now between Caden Renfro and Caden Fortin. I, I think that's probably – Probably will be a battle if, you know, it just depends on when Renfro gets gets healthy. But I know that they, they liked a lot of the things that Fortin did uh, in the spring. Um, you know, running back, I probably could have put an R between, an, excuse me, an or between Raheem Sanders and Dominic Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of gave Raheem Sanders the upper hand since he came out of the spring and Dominic Johnson was was injured coming back from, from surgery. So um, I just gave Raheem Sanders a slight edge. But I, I, I could really see those two guys uh, finishing pretty similar in terms of rushing total next year. Um, and I, I think A.J. Green will see a, a bump up also. I got R- Rashad DeBinion as the number four back there. You know, really the reason I re-released this, um, you know, I had to I had to get Matt Landers in there. You know, he's committed since, and I'll, I guess I need to update it again um, for Lewis, but uh, a defensive tackle. But, um yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to get Landers in there. I've got him second behind Keytron. So I've got Keytron, Warren Thompson, or Malik Hornsby. I think Malik Hornsby's, I think the Malik Hornsby stuff is, is very real. Like, I don't think it's just a gimmick or, 
you know, something they could do as a decoy or, you know, something to have fun, you know, or get too fancy with. I think it's, I think it's a legitimate um, likelihood that Arkansas will use him quite a bit at wide receiver next year. I, I just think that's how things are trending. But um, Warren Thompson or Malik Hornsby, and then I've got uh, Jaden Hazelwood at uh, the inside spot, backed up by Isaiah Satania. Um, Trey Knox and Hudson Henry at tight end. Uh, offensive line is how you would expect it to be, uh, except for I've got left tackle to Keith Crawford. You know, I think as long as Dalton Wagner comes back from his back issue, then um, I think that they'll probably try to Keith over at, at left tackle. I think that was probably the plan in, um, in the spring, but with Wagner going down, they just ended up working him first-team right tackle. But I think we're going to end up seeing to Crawford work at left tackle, and I think eventually uh, he wins that job. Um, defensive line, probably about what you'd expect. Eric Gregory and Jordan Dominic. Actually, have Jordan. I don't know if that's what you'd expect. I guess I should say, but I've got Jordan Dominic projected as a starter at right end. Um, he'll battle with Zach Williams and at left end. I've got Eric Gregory uh, with Landon Jackson and then Isaiah Nichols at nose guard. Um, and then uh, I think Cameron Ball maybe emerges there. Obviously, Torian Carter is a guy to watch out for because of uh, the injury he suffered at the spring showcase. Um, but, you know, if they go to a four-man front, I could easily see them, like, you know, having Eric Gregory move inside. You know, he's 300 and, what, 305 pounds, 6'4", 305. I mean, he could easily play um, defensive tackle on a four-man front if they if they decide to do that. So I think we could see that. Uh, Bumper and Drew Sanders are my linebackers. Christopher Paul's going to be the top guy rotating, I think. Um, and then I've got Slusher at nickel. Jaden Johnson at boundary, Jalen Catalan at middle, and field safety I have Latavius Brini emerging, and then I think Simeon Blair will end up being a top backup everywhere. I just think eventually Brini's going to take over um, one of those starting spots at safety or nickel. And then um, at cornerback I've got uh, Dwight McLaughlin and uh, my other guys Malik Chavis. That might surprise some people. Malik was uh, running a lot with the first group. I think he looks good out there. I think uh, it looks good to have a couple of 6'2 cornerbacks, McLaughlin and, and Chavis out there. Um, and then I see Hudson Clark possibly being the next guy. And the Ladarius Bishop started a lot of games last year too. So, you know, he could be the other one. And then special teams is Cam Little, Reed Bauer, with Max Flesher pushing him, I guess. Eli Stein at long snapper. Uh, Reed Bauer again at holder. And then I think Bryce Stevens will be your punt returner, backed up by Rashad DeBinion, kickoff returner will be A.J. Green and Rashad DeBinion. That's my projection on that. So, Trey, back, back to the wide receivers. Should mm -hmm. this be maybe one through eight? Uh, there is not a trailing Burks. We understand that. Yeah. So that, with that being said, uh, you've got two sets of outside receivers, which typically one side or the other side, then you've got the inside wide receiver. Uh, how much of these guys interchangeable? Because I know during during the fall last year when you were going through the daily depth chart, I mean, these guys were flip-flopping around mm -hmm. right, left, inside, so forth and so on. So is it, it would it be better just to have a top eight? Maybe, um, or maybe just outside and inside. Um, that might be probably better, I guess, because – the inside guys generally stay inside. I mean, we—I I don't remember seeing Hazelwood work, you know, outside. I, um, you know, I don't remember seeing Bryce Stevens work outside. Now Harper Cole, who I've have listed inside, does, but I, I had to make some room for some other guys. You know, Matt Landers. I think he's going to play. I don't think he's coming to Arkansas to sit the bench. You know, um, 
you know, uh, Malik Hornsby and Warren Thompson, you know, I think are going to play. So I just, you know, kind of shifted things around because I, th- I felt like Harper could play inside too. But, you know, you might be right, Randy. Maybe list, um, you know, a top six or so at at outside wide receiver and then a couple more at inside. And, you know, that probably gets you a pretty accurate uh, portrayal of what they'll do at wide receiver. Uh, the, I, I think the outside guys are pretty interchangeable. But the inside guys, for the most part, you know, any drill you see or, you know, they're they're all the same guys are lined up inside, the same guys are lined up outside. And that's why I said it, it seemed like every day at practice or after practice when you could have the depth chart, it seemed like there was so much that, that were just flopping around. One day maybe three, one day next day maybe number two, then another day maybe even number one. But uh, some some didn't change, obviously. You never saw Traylon Burks go down the ladder in any way. All right, Trey, that's it for today. Wow, that time went quickly. That is Trey Biddy of Hogsports.com being brought to you by Asher Wrecker Service Company.